Judges chapter 3 for this afternoon. Last week we looked at an introduction to Judges. Today we're going to start going through the Judges and uh, looking at some different people that God used. And basically, it might change up here and there, but we're going to look at kind of the same thoughts through each of the Judges. We're going to look at, first of all, why there was a judge needed. Secondly, uh, why did the Lord send a deliverer? Number three, who is the judge or the deliverer? And number four, what did that judge accomplish? And so ideally, in each of these people, that's what we'll be kind of looking at in each of those cases. So we're going to look here today at Othniel. And let's read, um, let's start in verse number five. Verse number five, it says, And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, uh, Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forget that the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of the Cush, uh, Cushan Rish Athaim. You should say it faster than that. But that's how I have to read it. Uh, the uh, king of Mesopotamia and the children of Israel served uh, that king eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, uh, the Lord raised up, I'm sorry, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan uh, Rish Athaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed against Cushan Rish Athaim, and the land uh, had rest forty years. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. All right. So we see the story here of Othniel. There's not a ton in a lot of these judges. Some of them there's more details than others. But here we don't see a lot of detail about Othniel, but we're going to learn some, I think, some things that are good. So number one, why was a judge needed? Why did they need a judge? Well, we read that in the first three verses. We read verses five through eight. Um, we see that in verse number um, five, they dwelt among. They dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hivites, the uh, Je- uh, Perizzites, Amorites, Jebusites. Yeah, all those guys. Meaning, they weren't supposed to dwell among these people. They were supposed to get rid of these people. Kick them out. Get rid of them. Gone. They didn't. So now they're dwelling with, they're living with these different people who are not supposed to be there. Not only that, they went further than even just fellowship. They weren't just friendly with these people, but they gave their, uh, their sons, took their wives, uh, took, or their daughters to be their wives. They gave their daughters to their, uh, to their sons, and they served their gods. So we see here that not only were they dwelling with these people, they were intermarrying. Now to be clear, because this is important, sadly in this day and age, we should already understand this. When God talks about Israel not marrying these people, it's not a racial issue. It's not that a white person shouldn't marry someone of a different color or someone of a different color marrying someone else of a different color. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about um, people who worship God marrying into people who don't worship God. All right, And so we see here that they're, they're giving their daughters over to be married. So now they're becoming family with these people. 
And we know that these people don't serve God. And so it turns into, in verse number 6, at the end, and they serve their gods. So they're rejecting God and everything that God told them to do. And they're accepting other culture, meaning other worship style, worship other gods into their lives. Now this is impactful in today's time, looking at this. There is a culture that is godly, biblical culture. And then there is a culture that is worldly, godless culture. And today what we're being told is, is, as Christians, if we're going to be Christians, then we need to accept this other culture. Yet the Bible tells us over and over again we have to reject that culture. We cannot allow it into our lives. Does that mean that we're hateful to them? No. We're not commanded to kill them as the Israelites were commanded to drive out and to kill these other nations. But... We cannot be accepting of a godless culture. We cannot be okay with it because it leads to us being godless as well. That's exactly what happened here. Or maybe it leads to our children being godless because of what we accepted or our grandchildren because of what we accepted. So we see here they rejected God. They served idols. As it says there, they served Balaam and the groves. We'll see the groves more later on in the Bible as well. Uh, they rejected God, served idols, and so what happened? God gave them up. It says in verse number 8, Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand. So this is the idea of into slavery. All right, At that time, um, where that happened often, it's, so it's the picture that people would understand. He sold them over now to this king of Mesopotamia. And for eight years... The children of Israel were serving this king, uh, Kushan Rishathaim. Uh, you can say it faster if you'd like. But they served, they served him for eight years. So they're now um, in, in captivity, basically like they were in Egypt, to this king in Mesopotamia. They've intermingled. They've married in. Their kids now are, are, are uh, learning to live with a different uh, culture than what they were supposed to be living in. And I use the word culture lightly. And I hope you understand that they're living in, a, in, a, uh, in an upbringing now that is godless. There, there, is, there is no God in the picture at this point, except for false gods like Balaam. And so we see uh, here that uh, the, there are eight years here. The king's name that I've said a few times now, Cushan Rish Atheum, means literally double wickedness. I don't know what your name means. I think mine is like conqueror or something like that. I don't know, something great. Um, but uh, this guy's name means double wickedness. Not only is he wicked, he's doubly wicked. He's like the sister in your family. Wicked, doubly wicked. He's horrible. That was what his name meant. But we see here that the people now were underneath this king. So why did the Lord send and deliver? It's an easy answer and it's one we're trying to teach uh, teach you. Verse 9, it says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Why did God deliver them? Because they asked for deliverance. They did. James 4, 2, You have not because you asked not. It all goes back into this, this whole realm of our relationship with God. Where is it? So why did God send a judge or a deliverer, same thing uh, in this case, because they asked for one. They cried unto the Lord. The Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them. 
Who was this deliverer? It says in verse number 9, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, uh, the brother, uh, younger brother of Caleb. Othniel, his name means power or force of God. So we got two, if I can use the term characters, they're real people, not fake. Two characters in this, this instance. You have Cush, uh, Shan, Rish, Theum, double wickedness. And you've got Othniel, power or force of God. Um, in Joshua 15, verse 16, there's a verse, let's see here. It says, And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjeth Sephir, and taketh it, to him will I give Exal, uh, something like that, my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave Aksah his daughter to wife. So Othniel here is someone who in the past has, has shown, uh, if we can use some ambition, he, uh, he's, he here Caleb said, hey, whoever will destroy these people, because Caleb was getting old, uh, whoever will destroy these people, uh, you can have uh, my daughter to wife. So she must have been very pretty because uh, Othniel says, I'm in. That or Othniel was really ugly. And so he said, this is my only chance. And so he says, I'm in. And he goes and he defeats. Is a very well-fortified city uh, that here in um, Joshua the... Uh, Kirjath Saphir, whatever. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it was a very well defended city, a well fortified city. And Othniel said, "I'll do it." And I know he wasn't alone, but they went and 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 defeated this. That's who Othniel is. He is someone who is ready to go. He's Caleb's nephew. Um, of course, Caleb was one of the good spies, along with other things. Um, well, I believe Caleb was more than likely a godly influence. And, uh, and can lead, uh, uh, we need to understand that a godly influence, if we are a godly influence, it can lead to godly lives. We teach and we train and we give them book knowledge. We try to. But with, we will be an influence, influential in the way that we live. We have a very good possibility of influencing others to do right as well. And I'm speaking specifically of our children. Those that come behind us, our younger relatives, if we have younger siblings or if we have uh, nephews and nieces or uh, uh, someday grandchildren, all that kind of stuff, if we will be what we're supposed to be. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, I, I'm an example to you. And it wasn't a prideful saying by Paul. And then we should be living in a way that we can say, hey, follow me as I'm following Christ. Be an example and an influence. I believe Caleb was that. Now we have Othniel, who God brings up to deliver his people. Lastly today, what did Othniel accomplish? What did he accomplish? So why do we need the judge? Well, because the people rebelled against God. They rejected God, and now they were serving false gods, along with getting involved with people they weren't, they weren't even supposed to be around anymore. Why did the Lord send a deliverer? They asked for one. And I come back to that because it's so crucial. There are times when we're in our lives and maybe we're, we're, uh, we're covered up in sin and we just feel like, boy, I've just done too much now and, and I just don't feel like God's presence is with me and, and I just don't know how God can love me and all these kinds of things. God says, I'm ready to deliver you. Just ask. They asked for deliverance. God gave it to them. He delivered to them Othniel. And now, lastly, what did Othniel accomplish? Look in verse number 10. 
the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, Othniel, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan-Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Cushan-Rishatham. I'm going to have it down by the time we're done. Uh, verse number 11, And the land had rest forty years, and Othniel the son of Kenaz died. Uh, what did he accomplish? Number one, he defeated the king. The one who was the oppressor in the situation now, that God had sold the people over. We're going to see this through Judges 2. Um, we're going to see where God says... He sets up someone for failure. Now listen to me on this. He sets up someone for failure in this way. He says, this king is a, he's a wicked person. He's a bad person. All of them that we see, we're, they're going to be similar. And he says, so I'm going to allow this wicked person to punish my children. They're going to be under this wicked person. But every time he does that, he says, that wicked person's going to pay a consequence for judging my people. Isn't that interesting? I find it intriguing. God says, you're a bad person. I'm going to use you as I punish my children. But when I'm done punishing my children, you're going to pay a consequence for hurting my people. It's incredible to me. God doesn't allow wickedness to just skate by. It doesn't work that way. God says, I'm a righteous God, therefore I must punish wickedness, and I will. And so we see here this king. He was a wicked king, and, and he did harm, and he did hurt to God's people. So God sends Othniel. Othniel comes, and God delivers uh, Cushanrish Otham into Othniel's hands. He prevailed against the king, and look what happened. There was rest. What happens is, is the people came back to God. Uh, we, we read the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son takes his inheritance and leaves. And he, he wastes his money on riotous living. And he spends it the way he wants to. And before long he realizes, now I have nothing. And so the, the story is given to us as we see this prodigal son return home. And he's coming back in a very defeated state. As he's sitting there eating the pig slop, he says to himself, Surely my dad's servants have it better off than I do. Maybe if I go home, dad will let me work for him so I can have it as good as his servants have it. And so the prodigal son goes back home and he's expecting to ask his dad to beg his dad for a job. What does his dad do? He runs to meet him, hugs him, kisses him. Throws a party for him. He's back. He came home. I've been waiting for you. That's what God, that's a picture of God. And so we see that with us, there are times where we go and here the children of Israel, they, they were the prodigal son. They went away. They spent their money on riotous living. They're serving false gods. And finally, they come to their senses and say, this isn't how we're supposed to be living. It's supposed to be better than this. So they go to God and they ask, God, will you deliver us from this circumstance that we've gotten ourselves in? And God says, yes, Othniel comes. They defeat the king. The people come back to God for a time. And under Othniel's leadership, with God's obvious help, they find rest for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. Although as I'm getting closer to 40, I realize it's not as long as I thought it was. But 40 years is a long time. They've been in captivity for eight. And because of God's use of Othniel, the people now 
find rest for 40 years. This again, and we're going to see this over and over and over again, but if you want rest, if your life is chaos, if your mind is constantly worried, concerned, anxious, there's rest to be found in God. And we come to God and we say, God, I'm in this situation, oftentimes because of our own selves. God, I need peace. I need rest. I told my wife this, and I, I honestly don't know why. Yesterday for me was one of the most relaxing days I've had that I can ever remember, and I don't know why. Um, just when the day was over, I just thought, this has just been a phenomenal day. Um, we did some fun things. The boys played basketball. We went outside and shot some BB guns. We, we uh, uh, fire, had a big fire outside, burning some brush and things. And, and we just now, <laughs> I told that to my wife and she kind of rolled her eyes at me because I think she was doing a little bit more inside than I was doing outside. But nonetheless, I was like, this has just been a great day. You see, we all need a rest. We all need a vacation. We got to get some time off of work. If all you do is work, 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 it wears you down. You got to get some time off. Everybody needs it. God says, I am the one who can give you the rest that you need. Time away from coworkers is good and helpful, but you still need the kind of rest that God can give you, more so than the rest that even vacation, and although sometimes vacation isn't very restful, especially the younger the kids are. <laughs> but we come back to this point of God providing rest. When we get into sin, we have something in our life that's not taken care of, and that's going to weigh on you. It is a weight. That's what the Bible calls it in Hebrews. The sin is a weight. In order to get the rest from that weight, we have to go to God and say, God, I've messed up. Deliver me. Forgive me. Deliver me. And God says in the Bible every time He will. And He'll come and He'll deliver and He'll give you rest. How long will that rest last? It, it all depends on you. <laughs> on your obedience, on your faithfulness to God. We'll see the cycle continues though. This is the beginning of it. The cycle continues in the next one. Look in verse 12. We won't read all of it today, but in verse 12, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Forty years went by. I don't know if that's a, now a new generation quite yet or not, but... The point is, is there's a cycle coming. We're going to look each time of why were they in the mess they were in. Why did God take care of them, deliver them? Who delivered them? Who did God use? And what did that person accomplish? We'll look at that next time with Ehud and Eglon. Oh, what a great story. Don't eat too much next week. All right, now let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we do thank you for your love. Again, we thank you for your word and how you give us everything we need. God, may we learn from the mistakes of those in the past. May we understand that um, sometimes we fall into the same trap, the same temptation, to the same things that the children of Israel did. And we often will sit there and go, well, why were they, um, why were they like that? Why didn't they learn? Yet oftentimes in our lives, we don't learn either. So God, I pray that you'd help from the youngest child in this room to the oldest adult in this room, that we would learn from Israel's mistakes so that we don't make them in our lives. And God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you through your word each time. 
Lord, I pray for your blessings and your help throughout this week. And God, I pray that you'd keep us safe and provide for our needs. Lord, I pray for our missionaries today. Would you guard and protect them, provide for all the needs that they have as well. God, we'll praise you for all that you do for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.